Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the State of Play podcast, episode 93. As you could hear by the sound of my voice, I am Martino Puccio. Joined alongside me today is just Matt Santangelo. Pet has another holiday of some sorts in the UK. I'm sure all of you guys will know that. Uh, maybe even our guests will know what it's about. Um, so he's just been um, going to sit this week out, and he'll be back next week, hopefully. But our guest today, as you can see by the title, is our guy, Uncle Sharma. How you doing, brother? Very good. Very excited to be on this uh, award-winning podcast with my with my guys from uh, over in the U.S. Uh, yeah, excited. Yeah, we've both been on your um, channel before for YouTube. You're mm-hmm. one of the better inter-content creators out there, in my opinion. So hopefully you'll have an award yourself uh, very soon. Um, so yeah, that's basically what we're here to talk about today as the main focus is your club inter as usual. It's been hectic ever since the season ended. Um, your first title in a decade, first trophy in a decade um, since what it was Coppa Italia, correct? Uh, prior to this one. Um, yeah. So 2011. 2011. Yeah. And then they faced Milan in the super cup. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what a wild ride it's been. Charms. I mean, we'll just, kind of start from the beginning of the season, I guess, and then we'll lead up into the past, you know, 14 days or so. You guys were the best team from not, I, they weren't in first place from the beginning, but if your eyes would agree with it, Inter were clearly the best team in Italy. They had some of the best talent on paper, in my opinion, the best 11 all around. Um, Juve's was debatable, but the midfield wasn't even a conversation. They had the best defense. They had a great attack, despite a lot of people just going with the traditional, oh, Inter can only defend because they won Serie A, which wasn't the case. Um, they had the best duo in the league yeah, up top. Conte managed to figure out how to use Christian Eriksen and not have him be completely wasted. So, yeah, I mean, just it's a roller coaster of emotions, I'm sure, but let's stick to the season first. Like, this was a dominant team from week one. Yeah, well, yeah, as you said, it wasn't it wasn't you know smooth sailing. The first couple of weeks, there was a few hiccups. The Conte was trying to, I don't know what he was trying to do. I don't know if he was watched too many videos of Bielsa in the summer or tried to you know maybe I don't know. It was then Examan videos or Guardiola videos, Gasparini videos. We were trying this high pressing three four one two with a high line, and yeah, it just didn't work out. And I think the derby was against Milan was like the perfect. Uh, a screenshot of that you know the goals that we conceded on the counter um were pretty pretty embarrassing to be honest and Sassuolo game match day I can't remember which match day was but in around November time that was the turning point we he went back to the tried and tested 3-5-2 see a little bit deeper um maybe not as attacking not pressing as high but scoring just as many goals if not more and yeah since that moment since the turn of the year since Ericsson came in, uh, yeah, dominant domination, complete domination of uh, the Italian league, and um, yeah, couldn't be, I couldn't be happier with uh, the season. Obviously, Champions League could have been a, could have been better, um, but if you told me at the start of the season, would you take Champions League embarrassment, finish last, and take a scudetto? I would bite your hand off. So, yeah, amazing, <laughs> amazing season overall. 
Yeah, no, I, I think obviously, you know, I obviously am big enough to admit that, you know, they're the rightful team, the rightful club that is deserving of this, this title and ending Juve's run uh, one. And again, congratulations to Inter, congratulations to you, because obviously it's exciting as a content creator to be following this journey. Um, you know, the, the big polarizing figures, the big goals, the big moments. And um, as Martino alluded to off the top, you know, you did a, a phenomenal job covering that with your with your YouTube channel. But I wanted to talk a little bit about certain players in the squad this year that um, elevated their game, took it to new heights, uh, maybe exceeded expectations that many otherwise didn't have um, coming into the season. And of course, Barella, everyone obviously knew how good he was when they when they brought him in. But this year, you know, winning best Serie A midfielder and, and really becoming one of the best young midfielders in Europe. Um, so just speak to the growth you saw from him and what Inter fans and the club observe from him moving forward as um, a key pillar and a real big focus for the project, um, you know, as, as they progress here. Yeah, no, yeah, you quite right, Liam. Picked up Barella because... Um... He's he's made that next step in his uh, in his development. As you said, we all we all knew how talented he was, even at Cagliari. Um, but as he said himself, Conte's helped him to kind of improve some aspects of his game. Like you know, he he was always a little bit, and he still is, you know, a little bit rash sometimes. He's a little bit uh, he can go flying into tackles. He's a bit of a, a rag doll when it comes to fifty fifties. He always seems to come out worse, um, and he gets a lot of yellow cards. But there was there was one period where him and Brozovic were both on yellow cards for like, I think the the they needed one more yellow card to get the suspension, and they somehow managed to stay. I remember that. That was card. for like weeks, right? They just yeah, didn't yeah, get like one. Two <laughs> like two months, I think it was. Uh, <laughs> is uh, just as surprising for each one. Yeah, Brozovic is just you know he we know that guy's a madman, so he was surprising. And Barella, just the way he is, all action. Um, so you know he's developed that discipline to his game a little bit more as well. Um, which shows, you know, maturity. I mean, the guy has already got three kids and he's only 23 years old. So I guess the maturity <laughs> is, uh, is he has to he has to be mature. Uh, he's got no choice. Um, but yeah, like adding adding a bit more of a, a final product to his game, um, which was mm. you know one of the things that most Interisti were hoping to get. I think still goal wise and making runs into the box is something he can improve on. Like the timing of his runs, sometimes he doesn't seem to have that natural. Um, ability to just time a run just as the b- ball is coming into the box. Um, that's probably the last thing that's missing. But, you know, he scores bangers. This guy only scores bangers. Um, mm. You know, only goal, goal of the season contenders, this guy. And, uh, yeah, adding more assists to his game when he drifts out onto the right, when he whips those balls in into Lukaku, Lautaro, always really, really dangerous with those, almost like a winger. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how he does with the uh, if he can take even the next step now with the Italy national team this summer at the uh, at the Euros, because uh, he is going to be one of the key pillars of that of that team. And and you mentioned you know the Italian national team and young Italians taking flight to new heights for for Inter this season in their title winning campaign. Uh, Bastoni was another one, right? He came over from Parma, um, and then there was that sort of um, coming of age under Conte, right? And Conte's a uh, for many players, it's probably an acquired taste, right? I think obviously Lukaku took, in, take, took a great liking to him um, and elevated his game, you know, fitness levels. He, he, he was much better at Inter than he was at Manchester United. And you can see in this total more complete performances, but Hakimi, and I, I had this conversation with Martino and a couple other people in, our, in, a, in a Serie A group chat. Um, I've never, at the time of that move, 
from Real Madrid, which was shortly after the season ended, there was – I can't recall a more sure – It was the move of the summer. It, yeah. I, I looked at this. I'm like, there's little there's, – there's virtually no flop potential in this move. And yeah. it's, it speaks volumes to what Inter have done with this project, right? Because they've spent 35 to 40 on players before, 40 million on players, you know, Gabigol, uh, John Mario, and they flopped and they didn't live up to the expectation. When they got Hakimi, I was like, this is one of the best moves that Inter have made in, in definitely in a decade. And one of the best moves that clubs have made in the longest time from positional standpoint, from a guarantee standpoint of what you're going to get, filling an absolute need for Inter, the days of Yuto Nakatomo and, you know, David uh, <laughs> de Santon, just to name a few. And then you get a guy like Hakimi, who is easily one of, if not the best in his position in world football, you can make that claim for him. So just speak on what you've seen from Hakimi. Uh, I obviously, you know, there's, there's some rumblings about what the future may hold for him at Inter with their situation, which we'll get into, but talk to us about Hakimi's first season at the club and really what stood out for you most with his game. Yeah, no, as you said, um, when, when when we were linked with him, I was I didn't believe it because I thought this makes too much sense. Like, this is the perfect move. Like, this is not typical Inter of making the, you know, as you said, he's even when he was a doorman, you could already make that claim because it's a pretty specific position, the right wing back position. So he, uh, I guess he already had the claim to be, I, mean, I guess maybe you could put Trent Alexander in there, um, depending on how you, you know, group him, but... He was already up there. And then this year, obviously, Conte gave him the Italian calcio defending lessons first, the first few months. Um, he didn't f- go flying, you know, the first few weeks. He had a, he had a nice, he had a good match against Benevento initially. Um, he, was, he, was substit- he was a sub in the first match against Fiorentina and then came on, got the assist. But it was a slow, slow burn into the team. And then, yeah. Um, after he got to grips with Conte's methods and, you know, the Italian way of playing and the tactical nature of things. Yeah, this guy just completely exploded as we as we pretty much expected from him. You know, he's definitely up there in terms of the quickest players in the league. I can't remember the last time. Inter in general have lacked a really athletic, like uh, a player like him for a long time. We've, we've never had like raw pace like we have in this team now with the like him and Lukaku. Um, that's always I felt like it's always been a, a weak point in this in, in the inter teams in the past. So he's definitely added that um, stamina, you know, all these things that you already had. But he's added that he can he can still improve that final decision making. Mm. Um, but he's only 22 years old. Um, it's crazy. It's, yeah, it's, it's crazy how how young he is still. And uh, I think he scored <laughs> half of his goals with his left foot. Or something something. So there is a, some crazy stat like that where he scored. Um, or maybe close to half of his goals with his left foot. So he's very comfortable with both feet. And he's got the finishing of a striker, which is so amazing to see. Like when you when he gets into the box, he seems like he's more comfortable in the opposition box than he is in in his own box. So yeah, I just love I just love the guy and I hope I don't see him leaving my club. Yeah. So I guess we could just transition to most of that because there wasn't much else left to say. No, we're done with the positivity now, are we? Um I mean, well we could talk about Milan screen art having probably the bigger bounce back season out of any player in the league, considering how poor and inconsistent he was with three at the back, because that transition, it's a big deal for a lot of players. Mm -hmm. Um, People just always assume you put a center back in that formation under Conte. It's just going to be seamless, which wasn't the case, right? There was matches where he was good. And there was other matches that you're like, okay, I like, is this, should we have sold them? 
to Tottenham as soon as we could have, um, because it's just not that same type of player who, who was at four at the back. But this year, he went back comfortably. I get like it really just depends on who you talk to. He was probably the best center back in the league this year, certainly in the conversation of one of. So just to have him reach back to that level that he was at prior to Conte's arrival, it was massive because then it just makes De Vrij's job easier, easier. It makes every wing back and midfielder's job easier and Bastoni who is developing. It was just it was just the perfect storm of everyone taking a quality in leap uh, this year. Outside, of, you know, Erickson arrived late to that, but Lautaro was making that leap. Alexis Sanchez was doing great off the bench. It's just, it was just exactly what you needed. And that's what you expect out of a manager like Antonio Conte that, you know, if a player is struggling, he's able to develop and, and figure these guys out and put them in the best situations to succeed. So to kind of just talk about that before we have to get into the hecticness of it all, because it's, it's impossible not to with this club. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love uh, screener for me. He's, he's my personal pick of, um, the future captain after Handanovic uh, steps aside, hopefully soon. Um, you know, he's got those leadership qualities. He's he's shown it when he fired his agent that, you know, he wants to stay into regardless of, you know, money or whatever. And um, yeah, he's, you know, he's, I guess you could say he's a bit of a Grinta merchant, but still he's, he's just one of those guys that you just, uh, as a, as a fan of a club, you just have to, you just love. And it's yeah, it's really good to see his redemption story. Um, I felt like it was a little bit exaggerated last season his struggles because um, he only lost his place right at the end in that Europa League mini tournament to to Godin, um, which I don't think there's any shame to lose your place to Diego Godin. And Conte just you know once he goes for a certain team, he just opts, he opted for that till the end of the tournament. And um, and he played majority of last season as the left of the three as well, which I think punished him a little bit because he's not very two footed. Whereas this season he's permanently on that right centre back position of the three, and yeah, that one year of adaptations is um, yeah served him right, and he's 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 yeah pretty much had a faultless year. I don't remember a bad match from him. I remember some bad matches from Bastoni here and there, and one or two from De Vrij, but from Scrinia, I don't remember any bad matches. And he's added that next level to his game of like the you know the big centre backs of the game, adding those important goals. Match-winning mm. goals like against Atalanta, against Hellas Verona, equaliser against Roma. Um, yeah, so he's he's added another level to his game as well. So really, really happy to to see this improvement from Screenio, man. Yeah, just an absolute juggernaut of a defense. Um, extending Bastoni was a big deal too, but unfortunately, with all things that come with Inter, um, there's some craziness to it. Trophy celebrations were kind of cut short. I mean, you should still celebrate as much as you can because of the achievement after such a while back. But how much did it take away when the news started coming out that Conte was more than likely to start leaving the club and going elsewhere? Who knows where he's going? There's a Spurs situation uh, that's being reported out there. And there's also... Who, who knows where else? There was the links to Real Madrid, but then they would go back to Ancelotti. There was possible links to Pochettino. But still, for Inter, they couldn't keep him. And honestly, it's not that shocking, giving his track record. But, 
I mean, it's short-lived. It was two years. If you told me Conte prior to signing up with Inter would be there for, you know, two to three years and win a mass and win a major trophy and leave uh, abruptly, I'd believe you. Right. I think it just went exactly the way uh, a certain amount of people would see it going, but it's just how quickly it was. Um, we know about the financial difficulties in general for a bunch of clubs with COVID and, to the extent Sooning's been hit a little bit harder with that, um, they could potentially be okay. I don't think it's as dire as a lot of Italian newspapers make it, but then again, that's what they do. Um, the newspapers I'm talking about. So you speak to it. I mean, it has to be deflating to an extent because it's one of the best managers in the world, arguably the best league manager in the world. Um, rebounded nicely, I think. Simone Inzaghi, profile-wise, um, for a guy who's taking the, the leap to the next level, you could speak on both of that, but just first the, the Conte situation, because that was, you know, it just like burned up in a second. Yeah. The, the timing of it did hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I did a, I did a live stream on my channel a few, few hours afterwards and it was pretty, pretty somber affair. <laughs> Everyone was uh, in shock. It, as you said, it's not a shock in terms of Conte, Conte's past behavior pretty much dictates that this was going to happen, but it's three days, three days. That's all. That's all the. That's all we got in terms of happiness to celebrate the scudetto. Um, it's uh, it's yeah, it's far too short, and it was it's just typical Pazza Inter. Like just, I know a lot of clubs always, you know, fans always claim is up and down supporting their club, but I really think Inter is one of those clubs that it really is a roller coaster of a ride when you're supporting Inter. It's just you can't sit back and enjoy things there's always something going on there's always something popping off in the in the behind the scenes and uh, i'm disappointed with conte to be honest i was i was expecting him just because he talked about how he was understanding of the situation the economy the covid the pandemic you know he he almost himself admitted that this is the the least amount he's talked in the press this year like in terms of you know usually there's all, he's always uh, flaming the the directors or Marotta or something. You know, he's always attacking someone at the club. But this year, he stayed pretty quiet by his standards. Um, and he had one year left on his contract. The salary was increasing to 13.5 million net. I don't think it, I was, you know, I thought, you know, no one else is going to offer him those types of wages. So financially, it makes sense for him to stay. Squad-wise, it, made, it makes sense to stay. The squad is pretty much made, tailor-made for him. I don't think any other club has ever gone out and literally made a, almost a Conte dream team for him. Um, I think the only player that probably missing in there that he wants is Angolo Kante. Everyone else he wanted, he pretty much got. Um, and yes, you know, apart from the few older players, it's a pretty cool, young core to the team. So I thought it made, there was a lot more pros to staying than, than leaving, honestly speaking. So it did catch me by surprise a little bit. And especially if he ends up going to Spurs, because he could because uh, a few months ago he mentioned that it's it's tiring picking up projects like um like Inter or Juventus or Chelsea where you know he's asked, he's has to rebuild or he has to take a team from from uh, lower positions point to B high to point position. A, yeah, yeah. It's, so, that's yeah the perfect club to go to right with Daniel Levy and what they <laughs> have and I think they've had a longer trophy drought than Roma so I mean. It does, yeah, it does. It wouldn't. Right. It's just really surprised. It doesn't make any sense to me if he, if he ends up at Spurs. I mean, I'm sure they'll pay him the wages that he wants because uh, Daniel Levy paid Mourinho um, nicely. Yeah, great. But yeah, great. Wages, investment yeah. wise, I think 
he's shown Daniel Levy over the years, you know, I like to call him the English Lotito. I don't, he's, um, <laughs> he's not really, you know, keen to spend money in the transfer market. And he won't sell anyone either. And if he does, he asks for an arm and a leg. Um, exactly. I mean, for it. with, with, yeah. uh, with just speaking on that real quick, because when Conte took the, the Chelsea job uh, after coaching Italy at the Euro 2016, he took that Chelsea team from, I believe, seventh or tenth in the table and made them the champions yeah. and then was gone. He, like he left just like that. He's gone. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not saying that this team is, is, is built the same way, but at the same time, you can look to the, to, to his track record and saying, Hey, I have the experience in this league to win. And with all these managers, it's, it's embracing new challenges. And I'm not saying this is how Conte wanted to leave enter. Um, but I think it just goes to show you that in the modern game, when people look to managers and think this is a manager I can see being at this club for the long term, well, define long term. Because when I look at this right now and the way that landscape of the game is, I don't see a manager that's going to be coaching, you know, five, six, seven years at one club. If you can point to a manager right now that has currently had that tenure, then, then let me know. But you see it all the time. New ambitions, new challenges, Allegri, they let him go. And then they got two new managers and then they come crawling back to Allegri and, mm-hmm. And Ancelotti at Real Madrid, who just came from Everton, who finished 10th. So getting the coaching situation, it just goes to show you how extremely difficult it is. And especially in the case with Conte, his ambitions and his reasoning for wanting to leave is valid. He wanted to stay. But at some point, if you're looking to take a project to the next level and create a dynasty, which I think what is a lot of Inter fans were hoping for with this yeah. uh, this, this title, and then you're progressing further as the quintessential team to beat year in and year out and said yeah because you feel the baton has been passed to them and they've taken it um you know with with with, with aggression from from juve so it's going to be interesting to see if inzaghi can come in there um and and keep this project going there's the, i want to ask you about that what do you think of him but there's been the, the conversations about you know the managers that were going that that the club was going through there was allegri and then obviously there was the links to reality with him and now he went back to juve but Enzaghi, it should be okay. This team is still very strong. Obviously, they can lose a couple more pieces. You know, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But, you know, Lukaku stays. If they can, can, re- if they can retain maybe Hakimi, maybe they sell a defender, which is not what you want to do. But the team is still going to be very competitive. And I think Enzaghi is going to be in a position based on what he did at Lazio with his system and his three at the back. I think they'll be okay. And you mentioned, you know, this team is built for, for Conte. And, and I think there's could be some good success coming down the road um, with Inzaghi. Now, there's risk attached to it because coaching Lazio to enter is a different animal and it takes a lot more. But just speak to the expectations that you maybe have initially for Inzaghi. Do you think it's a good fit? Do you would have preferred them go elsewhere? What do you, what do you anticipate from maybe year one with Inzaghi um, if they can keep most of this core intact? Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm happy with Inzaghi as well. Um, he wasn't my first first choice. My first choice was Allegri, but obviously he was already in deep conversation with Juve, so it was always a bit of a long shot. Um, I feel like he's one of the elite coaches out there. But yeah, Inzaghi was my second choice after Allegri. Same plays the same system, um, similar somewhat tactics, I would say, from speaking with Lazio Lazio fans as well. Um, you know, likes to work with players individually. He's able to improve players. We've seen that with Milinkovic Savic, Luis Alberto, Immobile. You know, he's taken them to the next level when he was at Lazio. Um, 
yeah, and he's a young, hungry coach. He's only been coaching since 2016. He's got a couple of trophies under his under his belt. I feel like he's overachieved at some points with Lazio. I feel with that squad, um, you know, their depth is pretty bad, and um, you know, he got he did better than Conte in the Champions League. So um, he's already an improvement there, <laughs> but. In terms of my expectations, yeah, I'm still expecting. It depends, obviously, on the, what happens in this trust transfer market because everything's up in the air at the moment. But if we only lose the rumored one or maybe two mm-hmm. core players, depending on who it is, I still feel like this team is, you know, good enough to challenge. Um, maybe not be the favorites or be, you know, one of the favorites, but at least challenge and be up there for the Scudetto race. And, um, you know, still in within the top four, that's always the minimum target now. I think we can't drop out of the top four as a target and do better in where in other things where Conte usually didn't do well. Uh, the Coppa Italia for, for one, you know, Inzaghi's won that with Lazio. Um, a lot of Inter fans or fans in general kind of look down on it, but I feel like it's still a trophy worthy of winning. After 10 years, a trophy's a try. It counts, man, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And um, you know, doing better in the Champions League, I think that's uh, that's mm-hmm. definitely a priority. You know, you can't go out in the group stage for the fourth year in a row. That's just embarrassing. So yeah. no, I'm I'm positive. I'm behind the Limone and Zaghi train. I'm all all on board. I think yeah. too with with this project and then Martino, I'll, I'll pass it over to you. Mm-hmm. Um, with this project too, I think you know even before all this um, information was being dug up about and and everything was resurfacing about what their position actually was because i think it came to the surprise a lot of people but if you actually uh, pull back the curtain and you looked at the financial position and the financials of inter um and obviously everything happening with COVID and the effects it had on them then you kind of started to see well hold on maybe this is a little bit more serious than initially intended or initially expected but i even before then i was looking at this team i'm thinking to myself okay, even if Inter can't spend or don't spend a ton in the market, I think they didn't really need much anyway. I understand that Conte would probably want some more pieces and to strengthen in certain areas, maybe goalkeeper, maybe get someone behind Handanovic, maybe as an understudy for, for moving forward or maybe have someone to compete with him in like a combo or hybrid role. But I looked at this, t- this team top to bottom, midfield depth, you have the fullbacks, you have Hakimi, you have your, your striker, your, your forward players. You have some depth with uh, Sanchez. And if you can maybe keep a Don Brosio and a couple of the players, like there's still a team that's with one or two moves is would still be in really well positioned to repeat as champions. So I, I, I agree with you. I think that you know, maybe they're not necessarily like the shoo-in or the surefire odds make favorite going into next season. But I think that maybe speaks to the fact that there's just a lot more depth in this league and in the top four conversation. And I think it can make, if you're a neutral uh, watching Serie A next year, I think it's just going to make it that much more exciting because mm-hmm. there's a coaching carousel. Allegri's yeah. back at Juve. Milan are in the Champions League. They're going to be able to spend a little bit more. If Inter can keep most of these players, they're still in that conversation as well. And then maybe Lazio take a step up if they get a coach like Sarri. So it's a really exciting time from a Serie A fan's perspective, but I think that, you know, it's not all doom and gloom for Inter. I think if they can, you know, settle some of their the issues financially and, and have that not be something that drags along into a, a year, two years, a couple more markets down the road, and they can kind of patch it up now and not with a complete rebuild. And then I think Inter fans will take that and they think they should feel pretty confident moving into next season. But Martino, I'll, I'll, I'll let you transition into something else, or maybe you want to talk about uh, Conte a little bit more and, Maybe. Um. Eh, well, what, what what is there to really say at this point? I think I think the Conte thing for me, which is very fascinating with Spurs, 
two is the Paratici appointment, potentially. I think that on a surface, people are going to think that's a great thing. But in reality, it's not. Because this guy isn't somebody that has done glowingly without Morata, right? He has proven over the past couple of windows with Juve during the summer, like, okay, it's easy to spend money on Delict. Delict's a great talent. He's a really good player. It's not a difficult move to make. Some of the moves that he went with, with giving the wages out to Rabiot, Ramsey, um, bringing in these other players, like even, even you know, going with Agnelli at the end of the day, whosever decision it was to hire Pirlo, so that's blood on their hands too, right? Equally. Um, it, there was a lot of unimaginative stuff. They wasted one of the greatest players of all time. And I, again, this just seems like this type of move that is just going off the reputation of, Paratici did well at Juve. He was a Juve director when they won nine straight titles. It doesn't mean that he was the main reason because of that. That was all Morota. Like that's, that guy was the brains. And I think that's fairly obvious. And to think that Conte going over there with him on a surface level, again, people just think that's going to work out and it's going to be great. They have a very upset Harry Kane. They have other issues around the whole pitch. They don't have the personnel at the current current moment to play that 3-5-2 formation that has made Conte so successful. Yes, they aren't really playing. They're going to be playing once a week, basically. And for the sheer fact that this move is going to also require Conte to get the proper spend, he'll get paid his money because, as Sharms mentioned, Mourinho got his money handsomely. But in terms of spending... This isn't going to be Manchester City. It's not going to be like Chelsea. It's not even going to be what even Inter was doing, in my opinion, um, in the past couple of windows where they're able to finally spend money after a couple of years of CL qualification. I personally think this guy won't make it past Christmas there. I, you know, I, I have a hard time with seeing him sit down with Daniel Levy, coming up with a proper transfer plan that's going to keep him happy. He might get maybe one to two pieces that he'll like, towards his personnel and his formation, but he's not going to get enough that when they start playing week to week and a couple of bad results come flowing in, which is usually happens with Spurs and especially that core of players, you're going to start hearing it from Conte. And that's just not going to go well back and forth like that. So for me, I think it's a failure. I think waiting to happen and it doesn't matter how great of a manager Conte is. Spurs is still a different animal. It has its own specific type of pressures. They just want a trophy, but Conte is the type of guy that wants to win titles. So if they don't see eye to eye on that immediately, I don't think this guy has the patience to deal with that. And knowing the way Daniel Levy is, to me, it just makes no sense. And especially to leave Inter for this. When Inter was like, we're saying the the worst case, it's like Hakimi leaving. Okay, that sucks. You could still find someone to replace him with, exactly. not on that level, but like a single maybe from Torino. You could potentially plug him in there. And Conte is such a great manager. He could develop these guys. For me, you go to Spurs, I, I just don't see it. I think it's going to be a mess. Anyone could talk. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry. Had myself muted there. Um, yeah, no, this is a really strange one. And then just knowing um, how explosive Conte's personality is, um, you know, it's really hard to kind of gauge, right? And as I mentioned, if you do look at the situation and think that Conte could be a two to three or four year guy, like a Pochettino type tenure at Tottenham, 
I just don't see it. Um, I think unless he gets certain guarantees in the market, um, I will say the Premier League backing and the TV rights deals and all the money that comes along with that. Um, of course, the commercial benefits that kind of help aid a new coach in building his own project in his own image. Uh, you know, it's it's a league that could maybe cater to him. But I, I just look at this and think like, which players can he really elevate, right? Because do you think they're going to have a complete teardown and sell every player and get him every guy he wants? Probably not. Is this the type of move that can convince a Harry Kane to stay and they have that good relationship? I don't know. I don't know if that's something that can convince him. Um, and, you know, you look at some of the players in the squad and the regression they've taken. I mean, Dali Ali has been a non-factor and he was one of their, you know, focal points to those teams that were competing for top four and even made it to a Champions League final. So that's kind of what I wanted to, to throw over to you. Um, Mr. Sharma um, is in knowing the, the Tottenham squad right now. Are there any players that you feel that would really greatly benefit from having Conte in their team? Would it be maybe Dombele, who's pretty much underwhelmed with the big move? Uh, Lo Celso? Is it maybe Harry Kane, who's already great, but maybe he can get to that even higher level? And do, are there players in the squad that you think just completely don't mesh? They will not vibe with, with Conte and his, his aggressive training regimens because we all face it. We all know a lot of these players have egos. So what do you think of Conte at Spurs? Do you think it's something that can work? Do you think it's something that could help put Spurs back on that conversation of being um, a legitimate top four team? What do you think about that? Yeah, no, as, as Martino was saying, he's... I just don't see it in the culturally being a fit with him and Daniel Levy. So um, maybe not by December as Martina, but yeah, I don't see that moving past one season unless he gets uh, what he wants. You know, Inter, if he didn't get Lukaku, honestly, um, mm. yeah, I think he would have left within the first season if he didn't get Lukaku. Um, so it would be interesting to see if Harry, if they manage to convince Harry Kane to stay, because um, I think he's got to that age now where he's itching to get at least one trophy, the poor guy. Um, maybe Conte will have to get on the phone to him if he gets the job. But in terms of players as Spurs, um, you know, it depends. Uh, Chelsea used to play more of a 3-4-3. Three, three. Uh, usually he plays a 3-5-2. But I think Hoiberg could be that, you know, his Matic or his Brozovic type player, you know, that midfield anchor that he kind of relies on to be there game in, game out. Um, I don't see... Character, like character-wise, you know, the likes of Serge Aurier, he doesn't strike me as someone that Conte would probably, you know, I know Mourinho used to fire shots at him in the uh, documentary as well for his uh, lack of <laughs> concentration and things. On set. A, what was he saying? He's like a walking penalty or waiting to, or penalty yeah. waiting to happen, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't see people like uh, Serge Aurier maybe working out. I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to convert Steven Bergwijn as a wing back or something, you know, you know the Conte, the Conte special when he converted Victor Moses into a wing back, converted even Perisic this past season into a wing back, quite successfully so. Um, but obviously, it all depends on the mentality of if you're humble enough to make that conversion with someone like Bergwijn or even Lucas Moura actually looking down at the squad. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't yeah, be surprised. Yeah. Um, ben Davies could be his like D'Ambrosio, you know, the guy who just you can just plug and play wherever and he'll do a decent job for you um and then Dombele Inter will link within Dombele apparently Conte yeah. Conte likes him uh, so yeah maybe with the well yeah Pintus is not coming with him the fitness coach but yeah you know, he's the going Conte, back to Madrid yeah the Conte training methods maybe could help uh in Dombele 
reach reach the next level that you know we all know he can probably reach. Um, and Dele Ali as well, behavior-wise, character similar to Ori. I don't really see that working out. We're going to shouting at him on the sidelines. I don't see. Seemed like that early success that he had went to his head a little bit. And you saw it. They had dust-ups too. There was a reports of the dust-ups between him and Mourinho. And then mm. even then, you could see it in the all-or-nothing stuff. It, like he just seemed he seemed kind of disinterested, and he wants to move away. I wouldn't be shocked if he's gone. You could yeah, see PSG. Yeah. I think PSG could go try and swoop Aurier and Deli Alley, have them try and reunite with Pochettino. So I think I think you're right. I just there aren't many profiles within this team right now, which also would lead you to believe, okay, then Cote's wanna gonna an overhaul of the roster. You do that, that's still a difficulty in the first season. Because if you have all those interchanging parts, you're gonna have some bumps in the road along the way. And when when difficulty arises with Conte, he isn't um, the peachiest person to deal with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so before we move on to our next topic um, and the beautiful uh, you know reveal show for the Atsuri, as we're gonna uh, talk about in a second, <laughs> we just love to let you guys know that we are a podcast brought to you in affiliation with So Rare, the global blockchain fantasy game. So Rare is a fantasy game of soccer football where you buy, sell, and trade players and manage a virtual team with digital player cards. If you use our link that's in the bio, you get five new cards and a primary market for both individual cards and bundles, then you get one free rare card. So head over there, click the link in the bio. And it's also a great time to remind you guys, once again, we have joined the 90-minute podcast network. That is where all of our stuff is going to be posted um, from now on. So if you ever see any tweets of of clips that we'll have from this episode with, with Uncle Charms talking about Inter and the potential replacements and, and sales of players, uh, you will see that on the 90 minute football account. And that way you could follow us on there as well. So yeah, let's get into it. Um, in typical Italian fashion, it was very odd yesterday that they had a whole reveal show of, of the squad that will be heading, uh, well, not heading anywhere. They're just staying in Rome for the group stage to the Euros. Um, let's talk about it. I mean, we could talk about the show if you want a little bit, but I, to me, it was odd. I, I don't like the get-ups with the jackets or suit, whatever you want to call call them. I, I just think um, it's I like strange. those. Emporio like Armani. Them? Yeah. I thought they looked like World War World War One outfits. I I just I wasn't a big fan. Uh, the Someone, the ones uh, for the coaches look good. Someone mentioned. I think I I posted like a like a pretty funny caption with Insigne looking like he was going to his first Holy Communion, and then someone <laughs> commented underneath saying he looks like he's rolling sushi. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's <laughs> that's a, that's a good that's a pretty good one too. I'm sure that'll be on uh, a Who Won Cultural Twitter um, with our with our guys over there. I know Charms has won that, right? Haven't you? Yeah, multiple time winner. Multiple time winner. Sorry, <laughs> apologies. I'm just a one time winner. Um, let's get into the squad. Um, we'll just kind of spitfire a couple things. Uh, you know, the forwards are basically kind of what we expected. There was one surprising omission um, with Politano, I guess you could you could say with that. Twin. But again, yeah, my my apparently um i coined him that but i have not been told that it's that or or um darmian so darmian unfortunately didn't make the cut but he did win the title um some key goals for your guys um raspadori comes up childhood inter fan charms uh apparently Mm -hmm. um this was the surprise one out of all the forwards 
Bernadeschi, if you if you pay attention to the way Italy operates and how the Azzurri are, you can't be that shocked that this guy's here. He's just been getting called up consistently. He gets those minutes. So to me, I'm not shocked by that. I do think Raspadori is the surprise one. So we'll go start with the attack first. What do you think about it? Is Immobile and Balotti good enough to help them get over the hump and maybe make it to the final and, and win it? Because there's a lot of talent within the midfield. And Raspadori, I mean, the guy's just going to be a wild card. He's a, he's a versatile forward, but he really only had a couple months, uh, like decent stretch, like good stretch. It, it's not like he's a known commodity like that. He's been talented, but it, to make this team after just – a little, you know, success during the season. Uh, to me, it's a, it's a little bit uh, confusing on a, on a level. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't even on the on the list. So it was the, the double shocking in terms of yeah his uh, his form. You could say it was yeah as he said. I think he's only got six goals this season, so it wasn't particularly you know something. He didn't nobody. light up the world. Yeah. Yeah, but and also the fact that you know Moise Keane was omitted after he scored what mm. sixteen goals this season for PSG. Um, great, yeah. You know, Champions League experience, you know, he's been in, in and around the squad, plays multiple positions, whereas Raspadori, I think he's only really, you know, a striker, but he's a very diminutive striker. So I don't really see the tactical fit for him in this uh, in this team either. I don't think he's going to get any minutes, honestly, but I'm happy for him. As you said, you know, he's a childhood Interista, scored a couple of goals against Milan this season. So, you know. Killer, killer. We thought that was the backbreaker, to be honest. I thought that was it. <laughs> that was, you know, like one of those losses like that Inter was still having as recent as last year. We're like, this is why they won't win anything. Yeah. So, and I thought Politano, you know, he's had the best career, best season of his career, yeah. scoring wise. And yeah, he could be a good wild card off the bench to bring on. So I was disappointed for him. Yeah, I mean, he was he was sent home completely. I think we should also mention that Pasina is the one player that's there for emergency. That's why he was with the, he was in the picture of the team today. Um, that in case someone were to get hurt, the first option is Pasina from Atalanta. Uh, used to be with Milan Youth, but you know. Um, so Pasina, I thought Pasina should have made the squad outright. I think yeah. his profile and what he offers, um, he's he's pretty well rounded, a pretty complete midfielder he's not maybe excelling in one specific area that's you know like a Jorginho type or like a Verratti type but mm. he can do so many different things for you he gets forward he can play in pretty much every midfield role so I'm kind of stunned that you know he didn't make the team I mean I saw some of the other midfielders that made it I think Cristante made it and I'm thinking yep. this guy's been guy was playing bad. center back this season yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> he was he's not that good uh we'll talk about that right since he makes it when he's played, Sharms isn't played often. He does well, but he's just injury prone at this point in his career. And it's tough to rely on him, much like the player that's listed below him and Baratti, who should be, as far as I'm concerned, he's still missing the group stage matches and he should be okay if they get to the knockout round. Um, that's why he's being carried on this team. Listen, Giorgino Barella, you can't go wrong there at all. Locatelli's made a massive leap in quality. Pellegrini is a fine rotational piece, um, but he's not someone I want starting a knockout round matches because uh, I don't think he's of that level at all. So the midfield's a clear strength of this team, Charms. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I think this whole team revolves around this midfield. That will be the the make or break of uh, of this team if this this midfield performs as as should on paper. And uh, you said you alluded to the strikers, Belotti and Immobile, you know, maybe they're yeah. not 
you know, the greatest number nines that Italy's ever had or, um, you know, can rep at the moment. But this team, I think, will need goals coming from the wingers and midfield. I don't think we should look too much into yeah. the goals from the number nines we've seen over the years, like France uh, won the World Cup with Giroud scoring zero goals. So as long as these guys can yeah. bring in the midfielders into play and, you know, combine with the wingers, I think we'll be fine. Who would you want starting as the wingers? You, Berardi on the right, and you want uh, Insigne on the left. You think is the best uh, mover Chiesa because Chiesa's work rate is just second to none, and we got to give him a shout. As as I'm not obsessed with the kid, but I think he definitely made that leap of quality. And what everyone was kind of vouching for him that he needed to be around uh, better players and a better side that could get the most out of him. He had a great season, and I think and I think he's warranting warranted a start. Um, in one of these group stage matches, I think Mancini will probably go with whoever's the hot hand in those group stage games because he could go Berardi, who's the better goal scorer, or Chiesa, who's more of a well-rounded player as opposed to Berardi. Yeah, I think I think um, Insigne is a, a certain starter. I think we've seen over the friendlies and the qualification, Insigne has been always there, and I think yeah, he's a, like Politano. He's just had a great season at Napoli. Uh, goal scoring assisting wise so he deserves that on the on the right yeah is that battle between Berardi and Chiesa and it's so hard to leave Chiesa after the season he's had as you said I'm not also the biggest fan of him mainly just because of character or his character but ability wise he's very hard to deny and yeah his work rate as well but Berardi as well another one who's had a I think he's also had his career another career defining season or career best season um, so it's it's very. I prefer having inverted wingers, honestly, um, especially in a four-three-three. I feel like the inverted wingers with the fullbacks bombing on the outside work a little bit better. So I'll, yeah. I personally would start Berardi, but I wouldn't be mad if Chiesa starts. Agreed. Matt, you want to take it away for the defense? Yeah. So um, <laughs> look out of out of all the years we've seen with Italy, right? They're always the mainstay, the one constant has always been the defense and, and of course, goalkeeper with Buffon. That's always been the rock and, and really was one of the big reasons why Conte had a lot of success at Euro 2016. I mean, certain players overachieved, you know, Giacarini scoring goals, Eder, Pelé, you know, some of the names he was able to elevate, but more or less the one mainstay that's been with Italy for the years in good, bad, or in different, you know, uh, performances has been the defense. And I look at this team now and I'm thinking, so they have attacking options. They've got some nice tricky wingers, pace, versatile, Midfield, as we mentioned, is very loaded, the strongest area of, of Italy in, in years. And then you look at the defense and you're thinking, a Cherby, who's taken some step backs this year with Lazio, who's better in previous years. Toloi just got his uh, Italy uh, eligibility back in February and made his first appearance in March. He gets a spot in the roster. You have an aging Chiellini, who's captain, who could still in a short tournament perhaps bring some things to you from a leadership standpoint and put in those, you know, rugged performances against some of these teams, but the defense is really not that convincing to me at all. And I really have some worries that that's going to be something that can really hold Italy back from progressing further in this tournament. Um, and, and, and really exceeding the expectations that I had for them last year, right? Cause a year later for some of these players, like a Benucci who wasn't the same player, another year for older player, like Chiellini, as I mentioned, there's some really cause for concern that that could be something that really sets them back. What do you, what do you think about that? And um, do you think Bastoni is someone that can maybe start um, in, in a good portion of these games? I think he should. I think Bastoni should 
um, as you said, I think it's, if you're going to look forward to the other tournaments, you know, Euro, um, World Cup 2022 is not too far away. You have to start thinking about who you're going to start in, in that tournament too. Yeah. So it's great that Chiellini is you know, able to make it. But as we've seen at, at this time of Juventus, he seems to play one match and then get injured. Um, so he's not particularly reliable. And um, yeah, the Toloi decision was kind of confusing to me as well because I'm not the biggest fan of Gianluca Mancini. Um, <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter, you probably know. He's, he's, not, he's not very good at all. Yeah, I think like he's rated because he has a Materazzi tattoo and he's got this kind of hard <laughs> hard man uh, demeanor and the skinhead uh, haircut. But yeah, when you watch him, uh, he's great on the ball, but defending-wise, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't really... Um, Give me much so you know he came from Atalanta, you know? Yeah, <laughs> Atalanta tax, Gasparini tax. But um, Toloi somehow, you know, Toloi is 32 and, you know, just is going to get his first few caps for Italy now. And like, yeah, it's just a bit confusing. I'd rather put Man- someone like Mancini, who's, you know, 24, 25 in there, who's going to be part of the Italy squads in the future, rather than take a guy like uh, Toloi just because he's been having some good season at Atalanta. But no, defending-wise, yeah, I'm also a little bit worried. Like, Matt, you know, it's, it was always the, the spine of Italy. But, yeah, it doesn't seem that secure to me now. Bonucci's definitely not the same player he was a few years ago. And he was always a bit not suspect. Not since that final. Not since yeah. that CL final. He had not been the same player. Yeah. So, I, I'm a little bit worried. You know, I'm, 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 obviously, Gigi in goal is a... Is a is a is a certainty. He's he's proven himself this season. Are you but... slightly worried about this whole situation with him on a surface? I I am. There's a part of me that is because knowing the worst stretch of his career took place while those negotiations were up in the air with Milan after he just renewed, and it was a bunch of you know, I guess it was hatred towards him by a lot of the fans. You know, throwing the fake money at him and all that stuff. It hasn't been decided, obviously, where he's going yet. There's the PSG for some reason, the Barcelona links, and then obviously Juve. I, I, on some level, we know he's he could be error prone. He could make some of the biggest boneheaded plays, as talented as he is. Um, but he's the clear cut favorite, right? You can't put Sirigu or Meret there. So, is there a part of you that says, okay, maybe this guy might have a lapse in him? Just because of the history based around his emotions, yeah. Well, you you guys know him better than me, so <laughs> I, I I didn't I didn't think that. But yeah, now you've put those points full forward, and it, it, there might be yeah, you know, it's a little bit easier in a tournament when you're able to insulate yeah. yourself from all the rumors and stuff. Um, maybe you just tell me not to like, you know, keep the course to a minimum whilst I'm <laughs> out here. But yeah, now that you mention it, there might there is a little bit of a fear of him. Just a little bit. I'm not saying like it's a yeah, yeah. thing. I think I think that like I wouldn't be stunned if like the first player to make a massive mistake could be him. Yeah. Um Yeah. I so what is the ceiling ultimately before we head on out and let you plug everything? What is the best case because it all depends again what the group of death goes like with France, Portugal, and Germany, because whoever is the winner of that group, that's a good chance if they were to make the semifinal on who they play. So there is the potential of France in the semifinal if they were to go on to beat Belgium, which we still need to know more developments about Kevin De Bruyne and that orbital injury that he had. Um, and just overall how Hazard is just, he's fat. Um, <laughs> so he's not good anymore. Um, I, I think i think there is that potential. If things break their way, they could beat anybody in a 90-minute match, in my opinion. Um, fully healthy squad. 
Yeah, no, no. I think squad-wise, there's not that many better than the, the Italy squad. But I don't know if quality. If I look at the Portugal squad or the France squad yeah. or the Belgium squad, their depth in the talent is crazy. So maybe even England, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> Mm. Um, there's another path for them to potentially play Croatia, by the way. So that would be a World Cup uh, rematch um, from 2018. So that yeah. that that I'm uh, excited for on that on that level. But who are you rooting for in this? Because we know your vetting interest is with Inter, but you live out in the UK. So yeah, well, I I um I grew up in Italy and I have an Italian passport, and Liam childhood was in Italy. So okay, well then there's to that the Azzurri. All right, all right. Yeah. So, so we'll go with that. We'll go with that then. Um, Matt, anything else before we uh, let Sharms plug in uh, everything? No, I, I think that's it. I just uh, don't want to want to thank you for for joining us. And um, you know, listen, it's never easy going into the gauntlet with two Milan fans. So we appreciate <laughs> your time. And um, as Martino, Martino mentioned, you'll plug anything you're working on, anything you have coming down the pipeline, and um, anything you want to share with the uh, with the audience. No, yeah, just what you guys already mentioned very kindly, the my YouTube channel. That's uh, that's where you can find me. Just type in Uncle Sharma on YouTube. Um, focus on mainly Inter, but I do sometimes general Serie A content. But this summer, I will be focusing on Azzurri-related content, match reactions. I'm going to be having Adrian from Rabona TV. Um, we're mm. going to be doing a great few collabs. Yeah, yeah he's, a, he's a great guy. Also, check him out. I'm, I'm sure most people know about Rabona TV. Um, yeah, no, that's pretty much it. Thank you guys for having me on. Uh, it was a, it was a pleasure and I'll, I'll have you guys on again next season when Inter play the Bioli's mighty red and blacks. Yeah. 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 I think the, your whole season turned around when you had me on. So, um, you, you probably, <laughs> yeah. probably want me on. I think it was right before the Coppa Italia game. If I remember. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. before the yeah. whole Lukaku's Latin. And I told you, I, you, you didn't believe me when I said that Inter had this in the bag, uh, in general for the season. You're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. you didn't trust me, but, um, you know, that's the same thing with, uh, Sinaj, by the way. He'll probably be listening in Parasnitch, as most know him as, uh, on Twitter. Um, but yeah, Charms, it's always great talking to you. Very knowledgeable. Guys, check out the content. Follow him on Twitter as well. Um, great stuff as always. You can see see him potentially win a Who Won Couch on Twitter. Matt, you have yourself to plug as well You're for the chase of 10K, correct? Yeah, making a mad dash here. Um, yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Santangelo, doing a lot of um, Euro content for Football Italia. Of course, make sure to follow Martino and myself on the Milan Reports Twitch channel. And yeah, thank you guys for the support. Yeah, you can just follow me on Twitter as well, at Martino Puccio. We hit 2K finally, beat Barisha to that, even though um, you know he was surging up with his viral tweets but no more viral tweets after the Super League was done and dusted, just like Pet's account. Um, other than that, yeah, just follow at Milan Reports as well. Um, maybe some betting content coming in from The Athletic. I need to find out um, if I'm doing anything else there. So greatly appreciate all of that. Um, retweet, like, and share everything from the State of Play co- podcast. We're also on Instagram as well, as well as the Twitter account. Um, so stay tuned for all of that. Other than that, you could listen to so much.